Software vulnerabilities in medical devices can pose cybersecurity risks to healthcare organizations and safety dangers to patients. I'm Marianne Kolbesek McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with security expert Jay Radcliffe, who two years ago uncovered a security hole in a popular insulin pump that makes the device vulnerable to hacking. Recently, Jay discovered a new potentially dangerous software flaw in a different insulin pump. Jay, a senior security analyst at consulting firm InGuardians, will explain the security problems found in medical devices and suggestions for mitigating those risks. Hi, Jay. Hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? Wonderful. Please briefly describe your organization and your role. I work for a company called InGuardians. InGuardians is a company uh, comprised of security experts, and we offer consulting services for a variety of platforms, be it kind of your network computers, kind of traditional computers, but also systems that have what we term as embedded computers. Uh, So think about the power grid, think about medical devices, things that aren't typical desktop computers are going to be things that, that we also look at and work on. We help companies look at the security problems with that and then address those security problems to make things safer. Now, you've recently uncovered a new potentially dangerous security flaw in an insulin pump. Can you briefly describe the flaw, and was it the same kind of flaw you had previously found in another model of insulin pump? The insulin pump that I wear now is is made by a company called Animus, and it's called an Animus Ping. And what ended up happening with with this particular situation is earlier this year in March, I had a significant low blood sugar event called hypoglycemia, and that's when your sugar goes very low. When this occurred, uh, you know, I corrected for it. I didn't have to go to the hospital, but I did have to, to do some things to make sure that I maintained, you know, my level of health and maintained functioning. But the next day I followed up to try and figure out exactly what the cause of that low blood sugar event was. And what I discovered kind of disturbed me, which is that I had changed the battery that evening on that device because it runs on a AA battery. When I changed the battery, it did not remember how much medicine was in my body. So an hour or so later when I went to give myself medicine, it calculated the incorrect amount of medicine to give me. It ended up giving me way way too much insulin instead of the proper amount that I needed. And that ended up leading to me having a hypoglycemic event. I brought this up to the FDA. I went out to their site in Silver Springs, Maryland, visiting with them, talking about cybersecurity issues, and I brought this up. And we had a discussion about, is this in the realm of cybersecurity? And they felt that it was because it's directly related to a computer. It's a computer bug, essentially, and that it had a significant impact on my health. It was a very, very dangerous condition. So because of that, I went through the process of submitting that to the FDA for them to review and for them to notify the vendor of the problem. Now, how does that compare with the previous problem that you found with another insulin pump that made the device vulnerable to hacking? The previous issue that I found with the other pump had to do with the way it communicated wirelessly when it was being configured and how it communicated with a computer. That is a very theoretical thing. It's something that I could do in a lab, 
but it's not something that you would ever see in the wild or you know, as we term it in the wild. No, no patients would have to worry about that. This is much more significant in that it actually has occurred to me, and actually it's occurred to me twice in the last year, where this software bug has caused me to have low blood sugar because of its inability to calculate the proper amount of medicine to give me. Now, how common do you think these and other kinds of security flaws are in medical devices? And, you know, you being a patient, you sort of discovered this the hard way, but you have that sort of background in technology to sort of figure out what was going on. What sort of risks do you think this poses to other patients? And what are the security risks that these pose to the healthcare organizations that use these devices? These types of security issues, especially with everything becoming more computerized and more connected, are going to become more common. Just like as we use computers more for our financial systems and for the economy and for everything, really, we see problems coming up more and more um, that relate to them. Uh, it's just part of it's the nature of doing computer systems. They're going to have problems that are going to come up. The thing that makes medical devices different from financial is that they're actually connected to a person, and those systems are responsible for keeping that person in good health and, in some cases, alive. So the risks to the patients are very, very high. You know, any time you deal with human health and human life, you know, obviously that takes precedent, and that's a very, very big risk to have. So even the slightest amount of uh, vulnerability or the slightest amount of or the slightest mistake could cause significant problems. Now, as we get more computers into the medical environment, into healthcare, there's going to be more people looking at them. You know, in the past two years, there's been a significant amount of research done on these types of medical devices. And researchers have done a very good job at working with the FDA, like I have, to try and make a very good relationship between the FDA, the device manufacturers, and the research community. And together, I think that we're doing the best job we can at trying to make these devices safer and kind of getting a lot of cooperation from other organizations because they see us making the world safer, making the medical care, medical healthcare environment safer. How should these kinds of medical device security risks be mitigated by healthcare organizations? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to look at how healthcare organizations and medical device vendors respond. There's a belief or a very commonly held standard that you won't be judged as much on the mistakes you made, but how you react to them. Because there are going to be bugs, there are going to be vulnerabilities that are found. The important part is that you can react to them and address them quickly. One of the comparisons that I make is when you look at your home computer running Windows now, Microsoft every month puts out patches fixing things that they found last month, and that makes their computer environment safer. So when we look at these healthcare organizations, we want to see them react. We want to see them react responsibly, and we want to see them react quickly to these types of issues so that way they can put people in the safest place possible. We encourage healthcare organizations to practice this, to prepare ahead of time for it, so that way uh, there isn't any surprises, so that way your entire executive staff kind of understand, okay, Somebody found a problem, that's not that big of a deal. We can get the engineering team, PR, and we can address this situation quickly. Previously, in the past two years, we've seen organizations struggle with this, 
where we've seen them not be prepared and say, we are not going to address the issue. And that puts a lot more risk and doesn't really mitigate the risks that are discovered and found. How should these risks be addressed by the medical device makers themselves? The medical device makers need to be prepared to apply updates to their devices in a reasonable fashion. For example, when you you have a cell phone or an iPod, you know, when Apple comes out and they say, hey, we fixed some problems, it's very easy. It comes up on the screen and says there's an update available for your phone. You click yes, and five minutes later, your phone has the latest software on it, and it it is safe and running again efficiently. I'd like to see this type of functionality produced by the healthcare vendors or the manufacturers of these devices. It should be a very easy process to upgrade devices so that way they can have the latest and safest software available to them at all times. The FDA recently issued a guidance to device makers saying that cybersecurity should be a consideration in the design phase of their products. What do you think medical device makers should be doing better in their design phases to address these cybersecurity risks? And what are the biggest mistakes you think they're making? For the most part, we see a lot of medical device vendors that believe their product isn't going to be connectable to other things, that they live in a kind of a bubble and other systems won't interact with it. So they assume that if you have an insulin pump and a remote, um, that the range is only 100 feet, so they figure those are the only two devices that are going to communicate with each other. Um, And the reality is that with the explosion of medical devices and the explosion of wireless communication, that there are a lot more risks out there and there's a lot more interference that can occur, but also there can be a lot more of unintentional malicious activity as well. We see this in computers all the time where you accidentally click on an email and then your computer is infected with something that causes your computer to slow down, it causes your computer to not act correctly. These types of things can can occur with medical devices if not handled properly. So medical device vendors, when they're designing these issues, designing these devices, need to think about that and need to put in some protection and assume that there are, other, there are going to be other devices and there's going to be other people looking at what's going on with those communications. So the use of encryption can be used so that way other devices can't see very personal information being transmitted, maybe to and from a computer system, but also need to put in additional protection to make sure that it validates who it's talking to. So that way it knows if it's getting communication from the patient or if it's getting communication from somebody that's not the patient that could be harmful. In June, the Department of Homeland Security issued a cybersecurity alert about vulnerabilities in the firmware passwords of approximately 300 medical devices. How big of a problem do you think this is, and what do you think the risks are to healthcare organizations and patients? I think the risk is very significant. With these 300 medical devices, there are thousands of them out in hospitals all over the world. And these passwords, if you know the password, then you can get into that system and you can not only access patient data that's very private and very identifying, but also you might be able to do malicious activity from that. It would be like you would know the password to your boss's email system. Well, not only could you read his email his or her email and know what's going on, but you could also send email as that person and then cause a lot of trouble. 
I think the same thing could happen here. These types of things where you're hard-coding a password, that's exactly what the FDA is talking about. When you hard-code a password, you cannot change it. And as we all know from our own email systems and our own personal lives, you have to be able to change your password on a regular basis because that's just part of, part of the nature now. Uh, your password isn't going to be secure forever, and nobody else should know your password. So having that type of functionality in there is super important to making sure these devices stay secure. Thanks, Jay. I've been speaking to Jay Radcliffe. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee for Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.